Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes at Movie Beat. First off, Happy 2010. This is the first show. It's January 5th. I don't normally give a date, but it is January 5th. Happy New Year. May all your dreams and all your hopes and all your wishes for the new year and beyond come true. I want to thank all of my listeners for listening in last year. There's over 70 incredible filmmaker interviews that you can go back to right now and listen to each and every one of those uh, right here at Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official website is www.rex. S-I-K-E-S, that's my name, it's RexSykes.com, and right there on the welcome page you can subscribe to the website so that you will always be updated to cast and crew information, uh, my guests, the interviews that we have, uh, what's hot and new and what's hot and fun, uh, events, premieres, cast and crew information, anything that's happening in and about uh, the Movie Beat area, the listening area. Uh, Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you. That is why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen, so be sure to subscribe. You can also become a member of the Facebook group. There's a fan page there as well. You just go to my profile. It's Rex Sykes, and you can, and you can join right there. And again, you'll always be uh, current. Keep in mind, if you're listening to this live, uh, you can make it a favorite. You can make it a friend right there. You can leave comments. And I have opened the chat room. So uh, if you have questions for my guests, uh, you can always ask questions in the chat room, and if we can, we'll answer them. You can also email me questions through the website, through the contact page at the website. Uh, questions in advance for my guests by uh, putting the name of the guest in the header and the questions in the body of your letter. So be sure to take advantage of that because we want to help you with your projects. If you're listening to the archive show at RexSykes.com, be sure to go back and listen to all the other shows as well. And now you can subscribe through the iTunes store to the podcast, um, and you'll be updated each and every time that a new interview occurs. You can listen to these interviews 24-7, uh, anytime. And so I want to thank you for sharing uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat and these interviews with your friends, with your with your family, with your associates, with your industry connections. I, I appreciate that. I thank you for your letters and your calls and your support. And um, I encourage you to continue to tweet about my guests and upcoming interviews, uh, Facebook at MySpace, at, um, blog about it. Um, we're connecting up all over the place with different um, websites and different filmmakers. So uh, 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 please, uh, you know, continue to uh, spread it far and wide. Um, I am happy to say we have an uh, incredible guest today. And uh, before we get to my guest, I- I'm going to tell you about some of the other upcoming guests that uh, are next up. Dylan Avery is a a young screenwriter and a director. He uh, created the documentary Loose Change 9-11, which was about uh, 
a conspiracy of uh, uh, perhaps regarding the 9-11 uh, tragedy back in 2001. Uh, he's going to be here next uh, talking about his documentary film work. Peter Tolan is the series creator of Rescue Me that stars Dennis Leary. He's a writer of Analyze This and, and numerous other projects. We'll be here right after that. Peter Marshall is a director and first AD. He did the first AD uh, series for us. He's coming back to do the director series. John Reese, author of Think Outside the Box Office, will be here then to talk about hybrid ways of distribution. Reed Martin is the author of The Real Truth. We've been doing a series with Reed on what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies. By the way, if you're going to Sundance, you definitely want to hear his last interview about uh, things to do and things not to do when attending a festival. Dallas Jenkins is the director. He's coming up. He just directed Kevin Sarbo and Christy Swanson in uh, one of their latest movies. Nick Mancuso will be back for uh, a third time soon in January and in February a fourth time. Brian Krause, the actor, Leo from Charmed. Jackie Birch, casting director. Ted Hope, the independent producer of 21 Grams and more. Uh, Gregor Collins, an actor producer. Uva Bull, who produces and directs many movies that you're aware of. And, uh, and just so many more. Rocky Lang, who is the author, who's an author, producer, and director, will be following. And there's just so many more people. Um, I don't have time to give them all to you right now, but, but those are the next ones in line uh, that you should know about. I also have to tell you about a couple of upcoming events. I am just uh, wiped out here. I am, I am uh, got about eight different windows going and all sorts of things is, are blaring at me. But on, on January 15th in the Milwaukee area is the uh, Firestarter Films Number no. 7 Festival at Live Artist Studios. You're going to want to be sure to attend that. And then the festival that I put together with Firestarter in the UW of Waukesha, the Field Film Fest, I've mistakenly said uh, the date. It is Saturday, February 6th. Um, from 5 p.m. until midnight at UW-Waukesha, so be sure to attend those. The uh, Northern California screenwriter and filmmaker Alex Bo comes up in March through the 26th and 28th of March. Um, please go to RexSykes.com and, and look into the Hot and Fun blog for more information on that event. I want to turn my attention now uh, to my guest. He's been nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, for an Emmy and for numerous Wider Guilds Awards. Um, he is probably best known for Officer and a Gentleman, uh, starring Richard Gere and um, Deborah Winger, directed by Taylor Hackford, and that is Douglas Day Stewart. He's also known for The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, which starred uh, John Travolta, The Blue Lagoon with Brooke Shields, The Scarlet Letter with Demi Moore. He directed uh, a cult favorite called The Thief of Hearts, that starred Stephen Bauer and and David Caruso, and a, and a controversial movie called Listen to Me. Uh, my guest today, Mr. Doug Stewart. How are you doing tonight, sir? Are you there? Hold I on. Am. Uh, Hi, Rex. Awesome, you're there. Um, uh, it's good to have you, Doug. It's, uh, you're you're talking to us from Hawaii. That's right. <laughs> I'm envious. Nice to hear your voice, Rex. Nice to be able to talk to your audience. Yeah, it's so good to have you. Doug, you have done so many things, and you've been doing them so well for so long. Uh, we're pleased to have you here. And, and uh, you know, you're known as a writer and a director. You've got a movie that you've written, and you're going to be directing um, coming up in the spring, I think, in Burma. Or, or maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that first. Oh, I'd, I'd be happy to talk about that. That's called The Flying Man. 
<laughs> and it's a story set against the political turmoil in Burma, uh, the uh, dictatorial regime uh, up against the uh, the monks. And uh, it's a love story about a, an American newsman, uh, on-camera television newsman, who has in his you know mid to late 30s already seen so much that he has no other dreams in his life. He's been kind of burned out by all of the the hard news he's had to cover, and he suddenly finds himself in this in this world watching monks get their heads bashed in, and he begins to kind of go into a a crisis, a midlife crisis. And at the same time, he meets a young woman who is uh, 20 and is a student of traditional Chinese medicine. He sees her using her qigong to revive a fallen monk, and that's how their love story starts. Wow. <laughs> wow. I tell you, 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 I guess, you know, when I think back on your movies, so many of them have love as a central theme. It's, uh, it's true that that's a theme that interests me a lot, Rex. Uh, I think when I uh, kind of was thrashing around for what was my, you know, what was my niche to be, I guess I had always been such a crazy romantic that I thought, and I had not been able to find anything resembling perfect romance in my life, so I thought I'd better fictionalize it and find it at least on the page. <laughs> But in writing something like romance, writing love, I mean, whether it's Officer and a Gentleman or your current film, uh, you know, the depth of care, in order to make it believable, in order to sell it to the audience, in order to make them walk out with having the emotions that you want them to feel and the experiences you want them to, to have, I mean, that requires a commitment at, at your part, uh, you know, a level of expertise and understanding, not, I think, not only of the human condition, but how to to develop that, you know, in the screenplay, how to, how to bring that forth so that, that people feel what you, you know, what you want them to feel. And how, how do you go about doing it? I mean, it's character development, story development. What, what, what are the critical ingredients for you when you're, when you're crafting something like this? How do you, how do you do it? How do you, no, how I, do you I think I have my own formula for what is a love story, Rex. <laughs> a lot of uh, what would be passed off as love stories are really called are really romantic comedies, and that's not what I write. True, yes. Yeah, I write a, a a story that where love has consequences, where if you love truly, you win, and if you love falsely, you lose. And uh, and the and as you can see in some of my films, the when you when you are false, you might die from that decision. So that that gives a weight to my love stories that some love stories don't have. Oh, that's an excellent point. Uh, and and so when you're conceiving these characters, I mean, when how how do you what do you do to to bring them alive? How do you, how do you how do you work it from the inside out? Your process, I guess. I think my process is that I am all of the people. I think every writer would probably tell you this. It's no big surprise, but uh, I I invest myself in each of the people, and I and and I shift like an. Uh, an actor from one to the next. Sometimes I'll even write a screenplay entirely from one character's point of view, then turn around and do an entirely new draft from a different character's point of view. And and even if uh, I, uh, if there's a third important character, do that a third time. So I'll do anything to try to get deeply in, inside the characters that I'm writing about. That's really really interesting i mean i when i when i used to talk about filmmaking and, and this is just kind of 
scratches the surface of what you're talking about. I used to tell people, you know, go back to the same movie like, you know, three or four or five times, but wear different hats. You know, use the director's hat, the use the uh, editor's hat, use the screenwriter's hat. Try and get into their mindset and see what they were doing. But you're 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 saying you're writing, you know, a, a screenplay from maybe three or four different times from the perspective of of different characters. Well, that sounds like a really enriching exercise. I think my kinds of stories uh, require that I do that because I don't always know going in who's my protagonist. I might have it all turned around, you know. Uh, it may be the most interesting character may be the uh, the antagonist. Uh, so uh, it's a process that I take uh, very seriously. I do so many different drafts. Uh, I, I really envy these writers that I, I listen to who say that they can um, you know, capture their story right away. I never do. Uh, it takes me forever to kind of peel the uh, layers of the onion until I can really get to it. And it seems like I'm never even ever finished with that job. Even now I'm working on a uh, musical adaptation of An Officer and a Gentleman, and I'm finding myself going back and, and, and learning those characters on a deeper level than when I wrote them uh, in 1980, 1981. Yeah, now, well, let's, let's just segue just a, a second, though, and, and talk about that. Officer and a Gentleman is now a musical. And that, that yeah, to me it is sure is. <laughs> delightful and amazing. I mean, it, it, uh, can you tell us about that? Oh, it's so exciting, and it's just uh, it's happening as we speak. Uh, the show is getting prepped to go to uh, Australia to start there, and then, of course, the hope is that it'll be such a huge success it'll segue right to Broadway. We have already done a major workshop just in this past November with a very talented director named Simon Phillips, who has the hot ticket on the West End right now, Priscilla, Priscilla Queen of the Desert, and he's bringing that to Broadway this year, so we have a hot director, and we had a, a fabulously talented choreographer, and we put it on its feet as a workshop in Australia, and it was so well received that the the, the backers there, the producers there, the team that would end up prom promoting it there got so excited that uh, they feel they have a, a major winner on their hands, and uh, so we're I'm working really, really hard to, to fine-tune my book and the composers are working very hard to fine-tune their music. And it's, it's going to be a spectacular event, Rex, that will take uh, this story, which I think people embrace and uh, as a kind of a, I don't know, almost like a fairy tale love story. And when you put it on the stage and with the intimacy of the stage and with the poignancy of songs and the humor and, uh, uh, and, and, and the stirring elements of some of these songs, uh, quite an experience well it must be and not only that as an experience but it must also be an incredible experience in the sense of, of what you said just a moment ago and that is that i mean you wrote these characters you know 30 years ago and you know it was quite a dramatic piece at, at that time and 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 now 30 years later you said i'm learning about the characters all over again but now it's with music and <laughs> it's it, it's 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 you know, a completely different genre almost. So that it is, is and learning and learning to let this be something different. It, it had its success as a movie, and it's very easy to almost want to, <clears throat> excuse me, copy the, the the whatever you did that was successful with that movie. Uh, and you certainly don't want to change things that people have uh, loved and 
expect to see. But uh, what I'm finding is that the intimate quality of the stage requires an even more in-depth sense of characterization than what was required from me when I wrote the film. Uh, film kind of uh, is a shortcut medium sometimes, and you can accomplish so much with a with a glance or just the right images. But when you're on the stage and you're seeing those characters kind of laid bare before your eyes the way it, it is in a stage experience, uh, I, I find I need to really understand Zach Mayo a lot better and Paula Pokrivki and, and even Foley a lot better. I, I, I want to understand them the way I would if I were watching a Tennessee Williams play. Wow. <laughs> well, it is absolutely fascinating. And and just in the moments that we've spoken so far, uh, notwithstanding you know anything else I might know about you, um, you know, it's just is the amount of dedication that that you you speak of to your craft and to developing and bringing to life um, these people who who you know come from your heart or come from your mind and and uh, and you have to translate them onto the you know celluloid or the digital imagery now or onto the the stage you know in in a musical and it is it is absolutely. Um, Mind-boggling, I guess, when I when I when when I imagine the amount of work that you must do around this. I mean, when we talked one time, you had told me about the the length of time you were working on um, the Flying Man. I mean, you've it been writing this almost everything I take on just has a life of its own that uh, takes me down a road I can't even imagine I was embarking on, uh, and and it, it just seems that these are such personal stories, and they're not. The kind of uh, high concept yarns that maybe uh, are the quick sales today, uh, they take a lot of time to evolve in your mind. And so uh, I have a, a film called The Accident that's going to start shooting in uh, Europe th- this spring. And, uh, it, and I am doing the, the largest rewrite I've ever done on it now, and I've been working on this for 10 years. So That is amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. Can you give me, Doug, maybe, you know, Doug, Douglas Day Stewart's prescriptions for some of these things? I mean, in other words, in terms of character development, what's important for young writers or even seasoned writers to, to understand about developing characters or about developing a story? Because, you know, I can tell a story, or you might tell a story, but it would be miles apart in, in the kind of attention-getting. Um, well, you know. I'd like to answer that, but I think, uh, there's something that came to mind as you asked that question, Rex, that it's very important in today's market to understand the market. And a lot of writers do not take into consideration the market they're writing for. I've had to learn with this film, The Accident, that I just mentioned to you, it was always conceived uh, as a starring vehicle for a mature actor and actress. And I had spoken to my good friend Kevin Costner about it and uh, had tried to cast a number of those kind of leading men in it. Now, as it is getting life and will be shot and there's money in the bank to do it, uh, there is a whole different approach that's required of the construction of this screenplay uh, that shifts the leading character onto a younger shoulder so that it, it plays to today's youth audience. Uh, you can't get those movies that star... Uh, uh, Kevin Costner made uh, today, but you can get Kevin Patterson, Pattinson movies made. 
so you have to somehow go back in as a, a workman, as a craftsman, and take something that was structured one way and totally tilt that structure so that a different character who might have been a passive character in all the other drafts now becomes your active protagonist. Wow. Well, now, I mean, that wasn't it, it, an answer to your question, but it was what no, I no, wanted but, to but say. It, <laughs> no, and I'm glad you said it because it is, I mean, the, the theme behind this, this program actually is understanding the business that you're working in and, and what you just said is, is valuable advice to anybody. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think that, I, I, I should say, I think many people would find it shocking when you say it's harder to get a movie made, say, with Kevin Costner today than, than it is with Robert Pattinson. And at the same time, it, you know, I guess we still do understand that, but, you know, when you think about people who've been stars for a long time, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd like to think that... Geez, no, the world is turning a lot faster than anybody wants to acknowledge. I mean, it really is turning fast, and uh, uh, and it's a really young market, and it always has been in some ways, but it's even more so now, and uh, a lot of your other guests, I'm sure, have gone into this in, in sure. detail, uh, so I, I don't need to spend much time on it, but the, the reality is that the the market has changed because we make movies for a global audience and not just for for a US audience and and so it makes it very difficult to do some of the things that would be very unique just to an American audience you need to uh tailor things to will work for a global audience and therefore it almost has to be reduced to less verbal levels because and and, and that you're trying to bring in a 20-year-old Italian boy and you need to bring in a young market all over the world. And so it requires that you think a little differently than just uh, your favorite story that might play to an American audience. Well, that, that, I mean, that's interesting. Now, I had another producer who came on and said, you know, one of the, the things that people should also do is to look at what the, you know, the distributors or what the market is buying and then tailor their screen, their story or their script to that or find the genre that they're purchasing. And if you've got a story in that genre, then do that as opposed to just trying to do anything, because, you know, great art oftentimes is unbought. Well, you know, I, I'm not going to be the one to say, uh, go and, be, uh, and and look and try to copy uh, success formulas, right. uh, or try, you know, that's, that's how a lot of people think, and it's a doomed course. You need to find something that you uniquely know and you uniquely can write about, uh, or, or, or direct a film, or whatever your goal is, uh, and and so, but then you have to be smart and say to yourself, who goes to movies, and uh, right. you know you might want to do this story about this. Uh, I, I know somebody that's trying to do a story about a hundred-year-old man, who, and wants to get Clint Eastwood to play old for it, and uh, everyone is saying, uh, my goodness, how are you ever going to get an audience? Who's going to go to that movie? And uh, uh, but they're determined to do what they want to do. But uh, I think the the intelligent person that's truly trying to break in right now has got to really know that your 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 central people ought to be as young as you can possibly make them. And but you should still go with a theme that you know and with characters that you know. Very sage, very sage advice. I appreciate that. I, and then the question that I did ask was about. Um, uh, character development or story development, the, the, your ideas behind that or advice that you might give for somebody who, you know, if, say I want to start, I, I'm going to write a screenplay tomorrow and I've got some characters in my, what, what do I need to know about my characters in order to put them down on paper and make them real? 
I think the first thing you need to know is that uh, um, you need to be free with yourself first and and be willing to make a lot of mistakes and, and not judge yourself even once. Uh, I would always tell my students when I worked with uh, the USC uh, Filmic Writing Program uh, to treat their writing almost like toilet paper. Everything has to kind of, it's got to be free. It's got to come out of you free. So that's the first lesson is to be free. And then I think you, as I said, must find a character that you kind of know in some ways. Don't think for a second that you can just extrapolate and write about people that you can, you know, you have to get in and, and do the research to know a character. So let's say you're writing a, a character like I had to do in Thief of Hearts, where it was a, a thief, and I'm not a, a thief, and I've never been in jail, and I, you know, I had to talk to people who really did know about uh, um, second story robberies, and I had to go to police experts who, who knew the psychic, psychological profile of these people, so I'm suggesting you do have to do a lot of research sometime before you can even begin to start to plot your story out. Then obviously what you need to do is to come up with a character that wants something, and then you have to decide on what are the forces that don't want that character to get what he wants. So these are the kind of obvious things that set up the conflict of your story to begin with. Then if you're going to be writing a love story, you have to remember that in that structure, the, the male and the female, or if it's a love between a boy and, a, and a, another boy, or it's a, a love story of a man and, and a horse or whatever, uh, you still have to make these two characters essentially equal on the page. It isn't the, the man's story and not the woman's story. It is her story equally in the love story. So these are just a few of the ideas uh, that I hope would help with that structuring of that uh, beginning screenplay. Well, then that's excellent. I appreciate that. Now, in terms of of also like developing your story, I mean, we hear terms like you know character arc or story arc or you know plot lines. Do you do? You, how do you how do you approach the notion of structuring your screenplay? I mean, if you read Sid Fields, he says in every twenty or thirty minutes, there's got to be a certain thing that happens, and uh, you know, in order to keep the reader going, and you know, first, second, third act. So, yes, I, I think that this is uh, Sid is fabulous, and he and I have been great friends uh, over the years, and uh, I've been happy to see my name appear in some of his books. Um, nice. I I uh, I think he's he's on the right track. I recommend his books to people. Uh, you know, I learned a lot from a teacher that I had at USC when I was at a point when I was doing television. I was able to kind of break into TV. I'd done some TV movies but I just couldn't find a toehold in features at all. Uh, I heard about this guy's class. I can't remember his name now. I know he's passed away, but he was a fabulous teacher. And he taught us that if you broke down every film, there were basically 26 to 30 main beats in that film, uh, and that they would then divide themselves up into three acts, not always 10, 10, and 10 beats. Maybe it's 12 beats and, and a middle the six beats in the middle. It doesn't matter. It's just how many beats you need to kind of finish these three, the three, the arc of each act. Um, but uh, this this course taught me so much because um, he forced all of the people in the class to come up with a premise, and then 
we had to get through uh, the rest of the class as if we were the studio mogul making the decision uh, of whether it should go from uh, the concept uh, or the treatment or the pitch into the first draft, and then uh, the class had to vote it all the way through to its final draft uh, and follow it in that way. So I kind of go back to this guy was my teacher more than uh, uh, any of the guys that you could go to in the books that are available today. But they all boil down to the same thing, Rex. A good three-act structure will always work, uh, even Quentin Tarantino and playing with all of the parts of his puzzle does end up with a three-act structure when he's all done. Very good. Very good. I, I need to take just a, a brief moment to uh, do a break, and then we'll be right back. I just need to say you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, and the official website is rexsikes.com. We appreciate your comments and your support about blogs and articles and conversations. Please feel free to email me through the website if you hear about anything coming up before I do. I'll vet it. I'll investigate it and, and, and try and get it up in a timely fashion. Also, uh, remember you can send questions to my guests through the contact page. And um, you can email me. A lot of people want to send me screeners or products or books or something like that. If you want to, just email me through the website. I'll get you an address, and, and we can take care of that. Uh, but now, right back to uh, to my guest, Mr. Douglas Day Stewart. Um, well, Doug, let me ask you this too. We we have something in common. We have, and I didn't think I would even ask you this. I, it didn't even occur to me in, in thinking about it. But now, as we talk, um, we shared a person in common. We shared a, an acting coach, an actress, a director, Lillian Chauvin. Oh, absolutely! Wasn't she a wonderful, wonderful soul? And she you remember, was. she was in my film. Uh, Listen to me. She played a French teacher, right? With Kirk Cameron and uh, Jamie Gertz. Absolutely. As the debaters, as the uh, ill-fated debaters, uh, or mismatched debaters, forced to uh, to uh, argue the point of uh, of pro-life or uh, you know and the difficult ab uh, abortion uh, issue. Yeah, absolutely, and and I and I simply I bring her up because well she passed away um, uh, last year, uh, actually 2008. But um, you know she. I she remember was, uh, going I, to her to coach me uh, on my directing when I was making my uh, leap from writing into directing my work. Uh, I was prepping Thief of Hearts, my mm -hmm. first film, and uh, I went to her and she helped me break down. Uh, scene by scene, how I should direct the actors. She was amazing. Do you have um, any tips or suggestions that, that you, you get gleaned from her or in your career? I mean, you've worked with some uh, you know, incredible people and incredible talents, both you know, as a writer and as a director. Um, but any advice you have for directors in terms of working with actors or, or scene breakdown? I think in terms of writers the most important advice I have is to not buy into any idea that you're not supposed to be on the set. When you create something out of your own blood like that, you better be there to protect it, but you better be realistic about what, uh, how you can, can accomplish that because you can't go blustering in and say, I'm, I'm the guy that created this and stand back, everybody, because by now it's, it's the director's baby, it's the actor's baby, and for them to do their best work, they have to feel in a way like they are reinventing you. So they, they actually don't even want to think that you're there. They want to believe they're writing the lines. 
the director especially wants to think that he's the real uh, auteur. Uh, but if you're a, a smart people person, uh, you go on the set and become an asset to them and give them give the director the ideas that you have and let him know that he doesn't even have to credit you and you're just there, you know. And as long as you're there, you can just do miracles. And now uh, along that same line, uh, when when actors get involved and when anyone gets involved, when a cinematographer gets involved, everything changes from what you thought was going to happen when you wrote the script because suddenly you're dealing with fresh new creativity and it's a uh, it's it's like chemistry. Uh, things have to happen and suddenly you'll find an actor like David Caruso was my bad thief in Thief of Hearts and he taught me uh, that you better listen to an actor's need to write their own parts. Uh, he just was so creative and was such a natural gifted writer that I would have been a fool when I was directing him to say, well, I wrote this and this is written in the sand and you better not change this. What I would do with, with David would be I'd, I'd get up a little earlier in the morning and I would see what he wanted to do with a scene and listen to everything that he had, and it would always be very fresh and, and innovative and also way too long. And so I would write it out the way he had talked about, then I would edit it down and get him to sign off, and then he, would, he could not change it after that, but he had had his full input. Wow. Wow. And now as a director, I would feel the same way, of course, Rex, that uh, as a director, the most exciting part of being a director is that you are this, uh, this maven to bring these creative souls together into this, like a, a broth you're cooking. And uh, if you're doing your job, then they're going to rise to a level that they never even dreamed they would, would go. But if you are you know, a, a, a dictator with everybody and you know everything, uh, you will only have basically what you saw when you wrote your screenplay. You won't have that, that added value that comes when a Richard Gere comes into the equation and gives you his heart or a Deborah Winger or any of these other talented people that I've worked with, Travolta or uh, um, any of the, uh, the, the great stars I've worked with. Sure. Well, and you've worked with a bunch, and and, and uh, I guess let me ask you that. Uh, you know, be, because of that, you, you've worked with, you know, people who other people would dream to work with. And uh, what's that like? How is it working with with people of of, of great name value versus uh, the unknowns? I mean, it seems to me that they're there on the at the top because they've earned it. Uh, every one of the ones that we've mentioned, uh, Demi Moore is top professional, did her homework completely, came came always with uh, an open mind to try to make things better and never was satisfied until she got to some deeper level. And uh, the same was true of uh, every one of these people. Uh, I, I learned so much. They're prepared. They're professionals. Uh, no one could be more prepared than Gear. I remember how uh, he was so busy taking the martial arts classes uh, every day that he could hardly find time to shoot his scenes. Uh, but when it came to doing that fight with Foley, you believed it. You you knew you were in a fight, uh, and 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 that wasn't easy for him to do. He got kind of beat up doing it. But uh, that's the kind of star he is, and he takes that in, into every role he does. So, 
I mean, you know, you've like I say, you worked the gamut. You worked with people who, who, I mean, until they worked with you, maybe nobody knew who they were, and then you've worked with people who are, are you know, top shelf. And is there a, you know, and they're professional. I mean, you can tell the difference between a true professional and the person who shows up prepared and, and somebody who doesn't. But is there, how about how about just dealing with them? Any any advice in terms of how uh, a young director or writer would. Uh, um, communicate or get along with with someone of that stature? Well, I I think they're just as eager as you to get along and to be uh uh able to talk to you about whatever their their feelings are. They're not at all as uh, as aloof as uh, somebody might think. They they really are a very real people and very vulnerable as or they couldn't possibly arrive at the, the their stature. Um I I think what you've got to remember always is that uh uh, that that they want to be the best they can be, and the only way that they can is with with your help, and uh, and the only way you can be the best you can be is with their help. So it's a, a hand in glove situation, and I find that even the youngest actors that I'm running in today, into today, like the actors we had in the showcase for the Officer and a Gentleman musical in Australia, uh, they were just doing everything they could to bring their professionalism forward. Nobody gets sloppy uh, about being an actor today. You can't afford to. Uh, nobody gets in there easily. It's almost impossible to make a career happen in this way. And so you, every one of them is grateful that they've gotten the chance to do their their love work. So you don't need to be frightened of them. They, uh, in a way, are more frightened of, of the world than you realize well, I think sometimes uh, people expect to be tested, or they or they hear stories of of you know famous people who, you know, everybody wants it to succeed, or the star wants it to succeed, and they're the, they're the, they're the front person for the for the film, um, but there might be some sort of testing process that goes on, or or you know, in order to know that they can trust the person who's in whose hands they find themselves. You know, as a director, you know, and you've got, you know, you've got stars, you've got egos, and you've got, uh, what do you, is there anything that you particularly do or suggest to, to put people at ease or to, to help them know that uh, they're in competent hands? You know, I think that uh, uh, that's the, that's kind of the style, like a doctor has a, uh, you know, a, a doctor's bedside manner. I think that the best directors are true collaborators. This director that I worked with over in Australia uh, a month ago, Simon Phillips, who I mentioned, is a perfect example of this kind of uh, collaborative soul. Uh, no ego uh, at all, just eager to have the best product when he's done. And, uh, and, and, and yet, you know, he, in his own way, he got everything he wanted and he never had to be bossy once. Uh, I, I think that's the best way to be. Uh, you need to be prepared. I think that's the most important thing. An actor will see a director's unpreparedness right away. So will everyone else on the set. And uh, so a director has to be prepared to, to really do a detailed shot list and never never wing it. Uh, uh, maybe if you're as experienced as some of the great directors are, maybe they can leave it to instinct. But uh, I, I certainly am not on that level um, uh, when I direct uh, The Flying Man next year in Burma, uh, I'm going to have to 
really uh, replay this interview and, uh, and, and remind myself exactly how to be the best people person to get the best out of people. Well, that's that's very cool. Uh, and let 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 me take you back a second, though. There's there's a couple of topics I want to come back to. One, though, is we were talking about Lillian, and, and you were talking about you went you know you went to her at that time to to break down scenes and and to uh, you know learn you know a particular aspect of directing. What, what what can you tell us about that? What did, what did you get from Lillian, or what or what have you made your own in 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 terms of breaking down a scene? I know this is these questions are kind of vague, but I mean, because you, we don't well, have Well, they're not that vague. No, I understand exactly where you're going. Uh, uh, Rex, one of the things I did, uh, and, and Lillian had a good role in this, because I took uh, acting classes from her, and I took acting classes from a, a number of different uh, fine teachers in the L.A. area. Uh, I did it because some part of me never stopped wanting to be an actor. I had been an actor uh, in college, and uh, and I made a little money out of it when I needed to, when I was in graduate school, and uh, did, did commercials and this kind of thing, and so it was kind of always in my blood a little bit, and and yet I also knew that to be a good director, I would really need to understand the way actors work and what their processes are, and so Lillian kind of taught me how to analyze the actor's process. And when you break a script down from the point of view of the actor and to see specifically his character all the way through, um, then you can then step back as the director and see all of those characters and their arcs. But, but if you can, first of all, be, be the actor and, and use that actor's training that you might have uh, to, to, because everything is point of view in, in, in drama, uh, if you don't have real clear sense of point of view of a character, then that character is a, is a bad character, uh, and no actor will be able to play that character as you would want him to. So you you need to you need to analyze: is your actor able to take that ball and run with it in every scene and and follow that arc? And that each each new scene, there's an incremental change that brings him closer to that moment of conflict when he must find his arc and change. And uh, uh, she taught me uh, to do that. That's what uh, she was uh, an expert at. Oh, yeah, indeed. And, you know, I mean, there are many different forms of acting. And, and what I remember from Lillian versus what I remember from some other people who were more method-oriented, you know, or who were where, as an actor, you would uh, do one scene, and you might work on that scene for three months or six months or even a year in order to try and perfect it or get it right, you know. Um, whereas with Lillian, a lot of it was, you know, take a scene and analyze it, break it down, find out what the overall conflict is, and then find out what those moment-to-moment conflicts are, um, both a personal conflict that you might have, something you want and can't get, or something you have and don't want to give away, and then what the conflict between you and the other person might be. And if everybody, the two actors or four actors, you know, have those um, thoughts going or, or that, that homework done, then they can create a, a more compelling scene um, because it is based on, you know, this, 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 this. Um, I have something that I don't want you to have, or, or you want something that I don't want to give away. I mean, that, that is based on a, on a conflict, um, the unspoken conflict. You know, not not necessarily what's going on with the lines. Absolutely, no. I think that's great. Um, 
It's a, isn't it a wonderful business that we're involved in here, and it's uh, so it's so exciting to see its evolution today. Uh, I, I saw Avatar over the last week, and I thought, uh-huh. wow, what a, what an experience that is, and what what is happening in the in, in the way that people can make these big scale movies. Cameron is an, is just to have just an amazing director. It was it was a, an absolutely fabulous movie. I, I agree with you. Um, so. I want to take you back, and and okay. we've got we've got about 12 minutes left. I'm going to ask you now, though, if if uh, when the show is over today, if you'd be willing to come back at another time and talk more about these different elements. I'd be very happy to. Anytime I can give some encouragement to people, because uh, I don't know if I've said this to you, Rex. It's just I consider that to be one of my my jobs uh, is to be uh, kind of a. Uh, you know, a, a cheerleader for writers. Uh, it's a lonely field. Uh, I have stood up and, and, and made almost a fool of myself at times trying to press this issue in, in front of the academy and in different times, but I really believe in the writer. I, I was a, 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 a founder of a, a group of mentors for the SC um, filmic writing students, uh, and and uh, I, I I always want to be able to help in any way I can. So of course I'd be very happy to come back. Um, but as we have just a little bit of time, one of the things I would like to to talk about yes. is is the need in all writers to not give up. Absolutely. It is a very disheartening profession at times, and ageism is a huge enemy. Uh, and uh, you can really have the wind taken out of your sails, and you've got to somehow get back up and do uh, do another script, and 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 never let uh, let this dream fade. Because to me, as a human being, you make a decision. Gee, what am I? I'm I'm, I'm not Florence Nightingale. What I do is I write stories. Well, I'm Douglas Day Stewart, and I want to write a story that will make people fall in love in a time when it's almost impossible to find love. Well, that's my goal. That's what uh, I was put on the earth to do. And once I came to that conclusion some years ago, uh, I needed to stay on that path and not ever let the disappointments, and they were many, uh, knock me off that path. Uh, I am that communicator meant to tell that message, and I have more good work to do and even if at times my uh, my message is not easily sold uh, that's no reason not to just keep going back and trying to tell that message in a different way in a different way until it until you do break that uh, barrier down again so I encourage everyone to kind of stay in the race well I don't think that people realize that for everybody who has accomplished much they've also uh failed a lot you know i mean i i think that the 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 biggest successes are built on massive amounts of failure or rejection and and that people have just managed to stick with it and and maybe outlast all those who give up well i think that's part of it i think mainly it's being true to yourself and not letting the world beat you down right i agree i i absolutely do agree um doug and 
again, we've got maybe 10 minutes left. Uh, I, want, I want to take you back to, to the, when we were talking about Sid Fields and about screenplays, and, and, and you talked about the notion of beats. And I like to ask writers, I like to ask people, you know, when it comes to screenplay and story development, things like that, the concept of a beat, you know, what, what, what do you mean, how do you mean it, and, and, and how is it actually actualized be, between a script and, and when you're working on the set? On the set? What, it, what is a beat? I mean, as opposed to the beat that's a pause that somebody takes when they're speaking. Um... Well, to try to explain, for instance, that, that professor's idea that there were 30 or 26 to 30 beats in every major story, he did not mean the little sinews between beats. And so right. to define, so it's a good question to ask, what is the beat? And the beat is a major, major moment where a character changes or an action occurs. So if you can show a character changing because they all of a sudden they find out they've lost their job and they go out and stand on the ledge and they contemplate jumping and then they decide, no, they're going to follow that dream. Okay, that's a big beat right there. The ledge. So, moment of so, turnaround. Moment of decision. So... It and this is, is I mean I'm going to ask it from that example. So somebody's you know they're working. Let's say they get a pink slip. It, it's not the getting the pink slip necessarily, or is it? Or is it? Or is it what they decide to do about getting the pink slip and then going out to the ledge? How, where the, do you? The both of the beat. It's getting the pink slip and what they do. And okay. then the next okay. step would be the next beat would be the next next thing they do, and they get knocked down. That's a beat. And then they get up. That's a beat. Well, that's good. I mean, I'm glad that, you, that you've, you've helped clarify that for listeners and, and for me. You know, I, I appreciate that. That's very good. Um, I think if you really uh, look at movies, uh, you'll see that they can be uh, broken down into those 26 to 30 beats. It was amazing when I started to try to uh, try to look at different films like Casablanca or whatever, and, and each one had the each one of those great films always adhered to somehow that that kind of construction. Can you can you elaborate on that? In other words, can you give a recommendation for how viewers should look at movies? I mean, that's that's right. There is a good, you know, you said all these classic movies have have this particular structure. What what can people look for when they're watching? I, I think what they can look for is what they don't find. Many times, the when you find when you're looking at a movie and you wonder why you don't like it, uh, there can be a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons that really stops me cold is bad structuring. And uh, you know, the minute you 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 know you see that they 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 didn't uh, they didn't finish the work of structuring, uh, then you want you know your your attention lapses and uh, and and you you don't know why you know uh, why it's gone wrong or per, perhaps when a director thinks they can get away with with pictures tell the story. But they really don't. You can only vamp so long on pictures and montages, and, and you still have to come back to those dramatic beats and conflicts that come from character. Um, so I think it's, you learn a lot by what, when you, when you don't like something. Uh, and I think when you really love something, if you stop and reflect on it, you'll say, yeah, it has that, that solid uh, underpinning of structure. Well, when we come back, the next time we talk, I would like to talk more about structure and about 
you know, those elements that go into making a, a, a story or a movie successful so that we can, you know, listeners could more easily understand what they need to do in order to do that or what they might want to avoid. Um, but I want to ask you, because you, know, you are going to be directing in the spring, correct? The accident? And is that this spring? Well, the accident is not is going to be directed by a, a German director. Uh, I will be on the set as the writer, but uh, I will, I'll be directing in the summer probably uh, – the uh, the flying man, which is the flying man. Okay, another script. So, yes. right. I, I didn't want to confuse the two, and I and I think I misspoke in the beginning. But but the point is is that um, now it's your screenplay. It's the flying man. You're going to be directing. What 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 do you as a director? What's going to be important to you to assemble? How are you, how you know? Can you walk us through the process of putting that together before you actually get onto the set? We've got about yeah, five my minutes. Most, Okay, I'll try to do it in a short time, Rex. Um, sure. Basically, uh, I have a I have a, uh, a, a a difficult job in trying to market this particular screenplay because it isn't a comic book story. It doesn't fit any of the neat niches of the kind of films that studios make. Therefore, I can't really submit it to a studio without expecting a rejection. Uh, my way, and I I've just gotten a nice bit of advice from a top uh, uh, executive at Miramax that the, that this is the kind of film that Miramax would have picked up a couple of years ago, uh, but that no one's buying that today. That independent market has just uh, gone out the window uh, along with the funding for, for those kind of films. And so what I have to do is something pretty clever. I've got to go over to Asia. I've got to find a great Asian actress to play my lead. And perhaps I... Uh, uh, if I have to step down as director and get a hot director to step in, too, that might be another way that I'll get this thing uh, off the ground. Uh, but once I have my Asian elements, then I can get Asian financing, and then I'll go over to a Christian Bale or someone else that I love for my leading man and, and begin to deal with the American market and try to put the money, uh, the, the rest of the money together that will make it a, fair, a, a large enough budget. Uh, to accomplish the job, so I hope that that answers that question. Well, it it does in the sen- in, in especially in the sense that that you know you've been in this business a long time, you understand uh, the the nature of the business, and and you know I might say you've rubbed elbows with some pretty impressive people, and they've rubbed elbows with you, and and so you know what you just said there, you know maybe somebody else wouldn't be so quick to say you know if I had to give up directing for somebody else, I would do it, but 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 your goal is to get the movie made. So, and I am um, at, I, I like directing an awful lot, and I, uh, I would love to direct uh, this one and many others, but I really am a, a writer at heart. So, um, in the, in, I'm sorry, in about the last three minutes that we actually have together, I'm just, I'm just going to ask you to, to kind of speak your heart. You know, you, you've told people to hang in there. You, you know, you've encouraged people in, in numerous ways in today's program, and I really appreciate that. But any final words of advice or, or uh, pointers that you want to give somebody before, before we have to close out? I just think the most important thing is to be really good to yourself and to recognize that you are that character that just had to tell the, the stories and therefore give yourself some, a break. Uh, don't be so tough on yourself when you don't get it right at first. 
Uh, and if uh, that marketplace out there is, is rejecting what you do, be smart enough to look and see what the market is really doing. Don't just be a, a bull in a china closet. Uh, I know too many people with pet projects that they work on all their lives and they'll never get them made. The point of what we do is to communicate and to give our love to others and, and not just have it a one-way street where you're looking in the mirror. So find that way to get your market, your, your idea into other people's brains. That's fantastic. Now, before we leave, um, uh, and and we will, we're going to have. To, I want to have you back, and and we'll talk more about, uh, you know, the elements that go into the structure and and uh, aspects of filmmaking. But uh, how's Hawaii treating you? Oh, Rex, it's just heavenly here. I think I told you that I got married this year to the most lovely yeah. woman in my life, and and Judy Stewart is the is making my life incredibly happy. And I love living in Hawaii. It's a, it's a dream. It's really a dream. Great place to be writing, and uh, I'm finding it's not any uh, uh, detriment to my career. I've never been busier. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Doug, you have, you have uh, made my day. I'm so glad that you've been here with us. Uh, I wish you the, the best. We'll be in touch. We'll talk about when you know, you can, we can schedule you next. Um, but I wish you all the best on your projects, and I, I thank you for all of the advice and for all the insights you've given us today, and, and I certainly appreciate it. Well, thank you, Rex, and, and thanks to anyone who was listening. Thank you. Oh, you bet. All right. Well, you have a good one, and then we'll be talking real soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Zach. That's uh, Mr. Doug, Douglas Day Stewart. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad that he was here. Um, I invite you to go back and, and uh, check out Officer and Gentleman or, or uh, The Scarlet Letter, um, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Uh, so many of the movies that he's done um, you know, are, are worth watching again and again and again. Uh, I want to thank him uh, so much again today. Uh, and I apologize, I'm a bit distracted here at the end of the program. I've had a computer go down. But um, I want to thank you, my readers, and I want to thank you, my listeners of Movie Beat. We've got uh, the many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned. And please keep sharing this website and these interviews with all your friends and all your contacts. You have my permission to go ahead and republish the links to these interviews in their entirety. I mean, you know, use good taste and use good judgment, but go ahead and publish them, tweet them, email them, share them uh, with your friends and industry connections, uh, Facebook. Uh, I really uh, hope you'll help us get the, uh, the word out about Movie Beat. And again, there's 70 uh, great interviews right there at rexsykes.com uh, at the interviews page. You go to the interview page. You click on interviews, and, and up will come a faceplate of about five interviews. Those are the, those are the current interviews that are, that are happening. That will change. Uh, but you scroll down at the bottom. You go down to where it says archive. It will say go to archive. You go to the archive, and it will open up all of the different names and titles of the interviews. You click on any one of those names, and it will open up a biography page for the guest. And inside will be a link. To listen to this interview, click here, and it will be a bold link. So thank you very much. You can become a member of the Rex Sykes Movie Beat Facebook group by clicking the group link at my profile page. Everybody, again, a happy, fabulous 2010. Welcome back to Movie Beat. Uh, I look forward to seeing you the next time. Dylan Avery is coming up next. And then Peter Tolan, the uh, co-creator of Rescue Me, starring uh, Dennis Leary. Everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, that is a wrap. <laughs>